0: of Pi, where we investigate what it means to live as a person in the world with PI. Today, I'm really excited um, to explore a topic that I honestly don't have a lot of experience with, but our guest very much does. We're going to be talking about traveling, um, and I'm really excited to introduce Tara to the podcast, who has a fair amount of experience traveling, if I am correct.
1: Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Tara. I definitely have done a fair amount of traveling over the past couple of years, so I'm very lucky to be here.
0: Awesome. I'm really excited to know more about what it's like traveling with primary immune deficiency. Before we get into the like deep kind of dive into uh, traveling with Pi, tell me about who who is Tara?
1: So I'm Tara, like I mentioned. I have CVID. I was diagnosed when I was in high school, and I was about 16 years old. So I've had it for a fair amount of time by this point. And I used to struggle when I was younger, I think it was more so the lack of information that I was given, lack of support, not by family, but by, you know, others and really understanding what it was. After graduating high school, um I decided to actually go to college in Ottawa which was 5 hours away from my house. Um so I made the move out um and I had an immunologist in Ottawa um and I was there for 3 years. I would say it was quite a struggle because I had just been diagnosed and then I was kind of just brought to another, you know, city. Um But after I graduated um, from Ottawa, I really had a passion to see the world. And my younger sister had actually done a exchange when she was in high school, um, where she was able to go to Italy for three months. And then we had that exchange student in Canada for three months. Um, So since my sister got to do that, I became really close with this Italian. So I decided on my last year of college to actually do my placement in Italy. So of course, this is scary because I have CVID. It's not easy to just pick up and go, but I decided to go. um, And I lived there for three months. And that's kind of where my passion for travel started. And there's lots more from there. But when you say who is Tara, I would say I have CVID, but I don't live like I have CVID. I try and erase it from my mind, not in a negative way, but I try and not let CVID stop me from living. I like to focus on things that I'm super passionate about and things that I love and care about. And sometimes CVID can be a struggle. And I like to just kind of put that in the back of my mind and deal with it, but still live my life.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like um, for you, because I think like, I think one of the things that I I am learning through this podcast is that um, we might all have the same diagnosis, but how we live with it is all different. Um, And so I want to pick up on on two things that you said. Um, The first one being is you don't stop. uh, You don't let it stop you from living. And I, I love that. And so I'm wondering to um, kind of follow up on that. You said you have a lot of passions that kind of are the what leads you through your life. Um, I'm wondering like a very quick summary of like, what are your current passions? What are things that are giving you inspiration in this moment?
1: So, for example, growing up, I was a competitive dancer um, from the age of three, really. Um, and I was... I would say I was pretty intense with dance. I danced five days a week. I competed. I would travel to nationals and it was a huge passion for me. It was my entire life. All my friends were there. I was, I just became accustomed to, you know, you finish school, you get in the car, you eat on the way and then you go to dance. Um, When I was diagnosed, of course, with CBID, it, You know, people were like, maybe you should, you know, slow down a little bit. Um, With my specific CVID, it affected my my chest and my lungs. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to slow down. I just wanted to, you know, keep exploring it and keep doing what I loved. Um, So that still is a, you know, a huge passion in my life. Of course, with the pandemic, um, I have stopped, but I still just do as much as I can um and i listen to my body and if i need to stop in the middle of a class then i stop in the middle of a class mm. um, so that's definitely a passion and traveling which mm. again with since the pandemic i haven't been able to do it but everyone's like you know terry you shouldn't be traveling you have you know a medical condition you shouldn't be just traveling and carefree and you know living place to place Um, But I was like, that's something I want to do. So I will learn how to do it with my CVID. And that's just how I looked at it.
0: When people tell you, like, you shouldn't do that because of your CVID, um, A, how does that feel? And then also, how do you, like, counter that?
1: Well, it kind of makes me want to do it more, (laughs) if I'm being honest.
0: Yeah, that's, that's relatable.
1: I mean, it's people that care about me. It's people like my family. Like I'm just thinking now, like my grandparents that are like, Oh, Tara. Um, I mean, my parents were always super supportive and I know that deep down they were scared, but they were supportive, but that's how I dealt with it. I just, you know, I, I had, well, Nanny, for example, You know, I have a doctor and just because I'm away doesn't mean I can't see somebody and I can't continue my treatments and, you know, have that independence of still being able to do what I love, but also being able to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. So that also... And it still kind of does take time to have to have those conversations with people that don't really understand. Um, but I do always say, like, I can't just live in a bubble because of this illness. I need to be able to do things that I that I want to do.
0: Before we get into, like, talking about uh, CVID and travel, I want to set CVID slightly aside for a moment to explore your own experience with travel. So tell me about your travel so far, just as a like a general overview.
1: So I would say my traveling started in college during my last placement when I moved to Italy. Um, so I moved there for three months, and I lived with a family um, who my sister did the exchange with. And while I was there, I was working at a private English school. So I was teaching um, teaching younger kids, but I also had the opportunity to travel within Europe. So while I was in Italy, in the south of Italy, um, in Calabria, I managed to go to Paris um, for a weekend, and a friend actually met me in Italy, and we went there together. And then my mom flew down, and we got to experience uh, Venice, Rome, and the Amalfi Coast. It was my 21st birthday. So my mom was like, let's just do it. Um, So we went, I think it was maybe two weeks. Um, So that was like my first real experience with travel. And that's where the addiction started. (laughs) Um, So from there, I moved back uh, to Toronto, which is where I'm from. And I graduated college and I managed to get a um, a job full time working for the school board, which was an amazing thing to be able to you know graduate college and get a job right away, which can be really difficult for others right now, especially in Toronto, it's very hard to get a teaching job. So I was very lucky, but it felt like something was missing because I you know I had a little snippet of travel and then I was back in my glum town. <laughs> But I just felt like I wasn't finished. Like I had more to explore. I had more that I wanted to see and do. And I was like, you know, this nine to five job is not, I'm 21. This nine to five job is not something that I, I you know, I, I want right now. I want to be able to see the world. I'm young. And so I started looking for jobs. And I managed to find a job in London, England. And I had an interview and I got the job and I was like, I'm moving to Europe. Um, So after that is when I realized I am now taking a flight to London by myself and I'm moving there alone. (laughs) Mm. So that kind of scared me a little bit. I also met two people, two... um, Australians, actually, on a Facebook website of the academy that I was working for. Okay. So not only am I going alone, but I'm meeting two strangers. They're <laughs> an Australian. And we're going to find a house and then start working. So I landed.
0: And Seems I- reasonable <laughs> to me.
1: <laughs> right. And I have like CBID. So it's like, they're- are they going to think something's wrong with me? What are they going to think? I'm a bit nervous. I'm going to have to explain it to them. Anyways, I meet the two Australians who are like very close to me still. And we stayed in a hotel for three weeks while we tried to find a place in London, England. So that's where it started. Wow. I lived in London, England for three years and on the weekends and... Any time off we had, we traveled all over Europe. Um, so I'll I'll just leave that at that. And then unfortunately, my now husband was meant to get another visa to stay in London, England, but he couldn't get a visa. So we had to leave. So then I was like, okay, how old am I now? Tw- I was 25. And I was like, do I want to go home? Mm. So it was a big decision of what should we do? Should we keep traveling? Should we go home? Our next adventure brought us to the Middle East, Abu Dhabi. So we lived there for one year, which was an experience. I don't know if I'll ever be able to put into words, (laughs) but we lived there for a year. And then unfortunately due to medical Reasons, which I can get into later, we had to had to leave. Mm-hmm. So we are both from Ontario, but we decided again we weren't ready to go back home, so we moved to Vancouver, awesome. and now we're in Vancouver. Hey
0: everyone, I know that for me, at least, during the pandemic, it has been hard to socialize and connect with people in the same ways that I used to but I wanted to tell you about a resource that might help. SIPO has a Wednesday night patient meetup. Um, it happens every other Wednesday and it is a space for people living with immune disorders to come and talk and discuss it online. And if you are interested in joining one of them, no sign up is required. You can find the link in the events section of the SIPO website, which you can find at C I P O dot dot and you can also find uh, the link on Cipo's Facebook page. Come check it out if you're interested. So to drop C V I D back into the conversation, um, because um, and I wanted to take a moment to like separate those out because you are like you, you like you keep asserting and um, uh, you are a person apart from C V I D, but you're also a person who has cbid and i think it's important to address those two components right of course um and so i'm wondering what and this is almost an impossible question to answer so we can like we can navigate this together um but what makes traveling with primary immune deficiency unique like you have seen how other people explore and travel what what is the uniqueness of traveling with primary immune deficiency for you?
1: I would say the uniqueness would definitely be more so getting place to place. Um, I use subcutaneous um, immunoglobulin therapy so with that, I need to bring you know my vials and my needle sets and my Versorates. With me from place to place. So that would be something that's very special, linked to, you know, CBID, because a lot of these places that you're going to are just a short flight away and you just have a carry on bag. So I would need to bring my vials and all of my supplies with me in my backpack. Mm. So the thing with this is that when you walk through security, You have a bunch of liquid with you. Yeah. (laughs) So usually they will, depending on how much you have, take out each vial Mm. with a, you know, a scanner and kind of go through like they have to, which can cause some stares, some looks of what is happening. What is that? Um, so that's definitely a huge part of traveling. And now, you know, even when I flew with more, for example, when I moved to Abu Dhabi, I had six months with me on mm. my flight. Um, You know, I ran into a few more problems with that just because it's so much. Um, another helpful thing with traveling with CBID is to get a letter. From your, you know, your immunologist, your GP, just stating, you know, what you have and why you are, like, you have it with you. Um, I know when I take a bigger flight, it can't be checked under the plane because it will freeze. You need to carry it with you, so a lot of times they need to make an exception for you because you have so much with you. Um, so always, I always traveled with letters. Um, you know, explaining what I have, why I need to carry it with me, what it is, um, which was super helpful. So I didn't necessarily have to say the same thing over and over again. Um, but yeah, the the uniqueness is definitely having to carry all of that with you when you are traveling.
0: Yeah, that sounds unique. Um, to, to pick up on one thing you said, you said um, as they're like, uh pulling out the different vials at the airport, um, you have to deal with looks and stares. And I'm wondering, um, I have two questions related to that. One, how does that make you feel? And two, how do you deal with that?
1: Um do you know what? At first it was it was a bit difficult because you didn't want people thinking you were doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't have something that like security needs to come in and, you know, everyone needs to clear away. Like it, it did at first make me feel like, okay, I'm, I'm not hurting anybody. Like there's not an explosive in my bag. Um, but it, it can be a bit hard when they are pulling out all of your supplies and kind of exposing this part of you that you don't really feel like everyone needs to know about.
2: Mm, yeah.
1: But, To be honest, eventually, like it kind of goes away. Like you don't feel like I'm hi, smiling. Yep, nothing's wrong over here. Like it didn't phase me after the first couple times. Mm -hmm. But they also didn't do it every time. So it kind of depends on the situation. Like if you have a couple of vials, they're not gonna, you know, look into it. They also, the other thing could be like the pump.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: As we use a pump while we infuse that can also be like hmm what is this thing um but to be honest after the first couple of times I, I really wasn't phased I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong I'm traveling I'm doing something that I want to do and if you want to look then this is it have a look
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. and so uh, do you do you think this experience has given you a little bit more confidence in that way like is that what you're speaking to
1: I would say so. I would say, like I said, at the, at first it was a bit frustrating and scary, but now I'm confident. I like they, in my heart at first, I was scared that they'd say, Oh, like you can't get on the plane or you can't bring this through. And I would have to defend myself of, well, I need this, but that never happened. Um, so I was confident that, you know, this is just a small little situation to look at in the bigger scheme of things.
0: Yeah. I'm wondering like that experience of navigating that at the airport, has that changed how you uh, navigate uh, primary immune deficiency in your life or, or your infusion products or anything like that?
1: Um, I find that as I get older, I'm not as, not ash- I don't want to say ashamed, but I'm not as like super quiet into myself about it.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: if there's someone that I'm close to and I know that they're going to be in my life, then I feel confident and comfortable sharing that with them when maybe before I wasn't. I don't know if it directly links to the airport situation of people staring at me, but I do feel maybe more confident in the condition and in mm-hmm. what I you know, deal with if that makes sense?
0: Yeah. And now that you disclose more regularly, do you do you feel like that makes any difference in your social life or or how you experience your social life, rather?
1: I would say yes, for sure. Like there are people in my social life that if I feel comfortable around them and I feel like they're good friends and they're going to be in my life, then I feel confident with sharing that part of me. Um, I also find this may be a bit off topic, but if I'm close with somebody, they're going to wonder why I'm always sick. So mm-hmm. I may as well tell them why instead of like them thinking and being like, oh, she's sick again. Like she's off work again. She has bronchitis again. It's like, I may as well share that if I know that they're close to me and they're going to be in my life.
0: Mm hmm. That's that's really nice. You put it well. So to come back to traveling, the other thing I want to pick up, which is really related to what we're talking about now is um, navigating traveling with all your supplies and what have you, which you had outlined is kind of the like challenge Um But you also mentioned um, in your your introduction around having to disclose to people you're traveling with and navigating that. Could you say a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. So when I moved to London, um, since I was living with two roommates, Mm. um, it was something that I disclosed to them right away because I'm going to be living with them and I have a fridge that I keep (laughs) my Like immunoglobulins in. So that is something that I feel like I need to say to them because, you know, I'm I'm living with them and they're going to wonder why. So it it was something that I, you know, I would just open up and share with them. Um does that answer your question?
0: It does. Uh have you ever had negative reactions or anything like that? Or or has it almost always been positive?
1: I've never that's a lie. I've had a one human being mm-hmm. that I had a very very negative reaction with. But besides that, I've never had I've had so much support from all the people that I've traveled with from like my principals because I work in a school to the people that I work closely with. I've had so much support and I've never had problems Besides this one person,
0: that's I will say that's really reassuring as a person, uh, as a person who has not traveled yet. Like um, to know that the, almost exclusively, it's a, a positive reaction. So, so in your experience, would you say the the concern and the fear and anxiety around disclosure is actually worse than the actual disclosure process? Most almost always,
1: definitely because like once you get it out you feel like a huge weight lifted off your shoulders mm-hmm. and it's kind of like you don't talk about it anymore like at first i was scared to tell people because i didn't want them to feel bad for me or feel guilty for me or think that i couldn't work to the best of my abilities because of what i had
2: mm-hmm. so that
1: was a huge that was a huge thing to get over um because I didn't want people to be like, oh, she she can't perform like, you know, her daily job, you know, expectations, mm. or she has this, so we let's not ask her to do this extra task. But once I got over that, like, like you said, like telling a person is like the hardest part. After that, everyone just moves on and just goes about their business and no one really focuses on talking about it.
0: Mm. So I I want to circle back, Tara. Um, You mentioned that uh, you had one hard experience um, that you uh, had to come back to Canada from. I wonder if you could uh, tell me a little bit about that, because I think it's worth knowing the positives and the challenges.
1: For sure. So when I um, was applying for jobs in Abu Dhabi, There was a lot of paperwork that you needed to fill in, that you needed to give um, in order to kind of, not to pass the test, but it was a part of the interview process. One of the forms was a medical form. Um, So I didn't really know how to go about this because, I mean, it's my medical condition. So in my heart, I don't feel like I need to expose it, but it was asking about medical issues just due to insurance, um, insurance purposes. Um, so I had got the job and they offered it to me. I'd signed a contract and I sent the medical form back. I wrote that I had CVID on the medical form. Um, I then got an email from the school saying, we actually can't have you anymore. Hmm you're no longer going to be able to have a job here. So that was really hard and frustrating that I had an interview and I was hired based on how my interview went and my work experience. And then I was like, the opportunity was taken away from me because I wrote that I had CVID. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was quite difficult. I ended up getting another job But they didn't have a medical form that I needed to fill out that was that um, detailed. Um, Unfortunately, when I was in Abu Dhabi, I got very sick. um, And I was admitted to the hospital a couple of times. And unfortunately, my principal at my school was not supportive, um, which caused a lot of problems because I was made to feel very guilty when I wasn't at work and when I was at home or admitted to the hospital so guilty that I actually signed myself out against, you know, medical, um, medical
0: opinion, opinion, advice,
1: Advice. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was so concerned that I needed to be at work. Um, so this was, like I said, the, the only experience that I dealt with one human being that, um, I think, struggled with human rights and understanding. Um, so that was a very difficult time, I would say, in my life and especially linked to traveling because I I, I had to be in all the time. And, and this person said some really hurtful things to me because I was admitted to the hospital. Um, mm-hmm. And I was admitted for a week and it wasn't like I was away for a long time, but she didn't understand. And when she found out that I had no cvid um she was very angry that i was hired um so this did lead to a really hard time in my life that caused a lot of anxiety of oh my goodness what if i get sick i need to be at work i can't go to the hospital so this was i would say probably the toughest time in my life
0: that sounds like a really difficult experience and i really appreciate you um drawing out um because i i I think what it shows in a really rich way, is the ways that context um, and how people interact with us makes, uh, it changes our lives. Interacting with a disclosure negatively and sti- in a stigmatizing way and in a discriminatory way can feel, can impact us far beyond just that, like, moment.
1: For sure. And I just try and think about, in that situation, it hasn't stopped me, from being like, oh, I want to go and travel again. Because I just think I feel really sorry for that person that she, you know, has that opinion, or she feels that she can speak to other human beings like this when she doesn't know my, my story or my life. And at the end of the day, I just feel sorry. I feel sorry for her. And I And I am not letting it one negative experience throw off my passion for traveling because I interacted with somebody that should have spoken to me in a different way or treated me in a different way.
0: It sounds like um, how you're processing it is by extending humility and kindness like that sucks, but also holding again, holding tension for The fact that it also was not the appropriate way of responding, but also you feel sorry that she couldn't um, see things in a a different way or a more accepting way. For sure. I'm wondering, um, what would your advice be for people like me who have not traveled yet or who might be um, have anxiety about traveling with primary immune deficiency?
1: I would say depending on the type of travel that you are doing, um, there are doctors everywhere. Um, I mean, at least where I have been. Um, And there has been times where, yes, I would be admitted to the hospital in London, England. I was admitted to the hospital in Abu Dhabi, but there were people there for me to help me. I was never stranded with no one... To you know, give me antibiotics or put an IV in my arm. So I think the initial thing for people that can be nervous to travel is like, what if something happens? Like, what if something goes wrong? What if I get sick? What if you know I fall? What if I get this? What if I get that? But there, if you're traveling to, I'll just speak to Europe or Asia, um, Abu Dhabi where I lived. There are people there, and if you do your research and you become educated on where you're going and what's around, then you'll feel more, more comfortable. Like when I went to England, I already had a doctor. Like I already knew the hospital I was going to be at. I already did research. I didn't just pick up and go. I knew what was surrounding me. Um, but also what I would say is it might be scary the first time. It might be a shock the first time. but it will get so much better as you continue to travel. And if you get over the initial fact of caring what other people think, then it'll be like the best ride of your life. It's all about not caring about what other people think because Mm. at the end of the day, you're doing what you love and you're doing something that you want to do. And it doesn't matter if some random person that doesn't know your story is walking through the airport. What are they? Like they... If they want to judge you because you're, you know, being pulled to the side and someone's looking at your medical supplies, then that's up to them. But it's, you can't think about what other people are thinking because it's your life and if it's something you want to do, then you're going to do. But the first time will be the scariest. But just know that when you're going, you're not going to be by yourself. There are going to be doctors. There will be hospitals. And what's the worst that could happen?
0: Mm. That's awesome. I really appreciate the ways that, uh, that you hold tension between um, uh, not, not giving your power over to what people think you should be doing or how things should be happening, but at the same time retaining um, trust in humanity. And, And it sounds like though that, kind of interplay in that tension is actually um, what kind of uh, helps you travel. And, and and I really appreciate that advice. Thank you for sharing all your experiences and advice on traveling with primary immune deficiency. I wanted to um, end off, as we always end off this podcast, with the, uh, a segment I like to call Sweet as Pie. Um, it is a segment where we um, look at the gifts that primary immune deficiency gives us in our life um the positive side of having um and navigating this and so i'm wondering um what's a what's a like simple or or complex um thing that um like in what ways has primary immune deficiency benefited you or given you a gift in your life
1: i would say my family and my friends and the support that they constantly show me um, and to know that they never gave up on me even though I maybe had to cancel plans because I couldn't you know meet them for lunch or you know I couldn't go watch a movie at their place because I was sick or you know things come up with CVID and to know that your family and friends, Support you and will always be there for you is for me the biggest battle the it's it's the best part because you know that you're loved and you know that you're always gonna have them there
0: mm, that is such a wonderful uh, yeah thank you for sharing that that is wonderful and and powerful the like little acts of kindness and community. And it, it seems like for you, uh, community and connection is part of how you navigate this as and also how you navigate as a human. And so that sounds like a big gift.
1: Yeah. And I think, too, Brian, I think that it's made me like a stronger person. Like, I can do that because... I've dealt with this or I can do that because do you know what I mean? It just like gives you this sense of like, I can do anything. I can get through it. I can. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It it shows you how strong you are.
1: It does. Like mm-hmm. when you're at the bottom, like the bottom of the bottom and you can get up. Yeah. Even though it's hard to get up, it just, sometimes you surprise yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. That is a wonderful thing to end the podcast. Um, Thank you for sharing that. And also thank you to the Canadian immunodeficient patient organization, um, SIPO, for supporting this podcast. Quite literally, it would not exist. I would not be able to do this. I couldn't have wonderful guests on without uh, the support of SIPO. So thank you so much. If you heard something today that resonated with you, feel free to send me an email at podcast at that's cipo.ca, that's C-I-P-O Whatever you share, we may use it in the final episode and we might share it with everyone else. I'm very curious about your experience. Obviously I will only use first name, so just keep that in mind if you do wanna reach out. And I look forward to the next episode in two weeks when we will take a look at another slice of pie and uh, learn together from it.